pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked, and it, it is up. going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go, to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! We are inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak in Week 10 edition, getting ready for the Minnesota Vikings. High noon. You can hear that on WWL Saints Radio. Got a ton to get into in this episode, uh, breaking down more of the Vikings and uh, get a little also of an injury update. I know it's a kind of a uh, different schedule we've been going through this week. And uh, the usual didn't get put out yesterday, but a pretty healthy team, Jeff, going into this matchup to Minnesota, which is obviously a huge positive. Yeah. So, yeah, our schedule is a little different with the home game because we were able to do the post game that we did the episode on Wednesday. So today we're just going to kind of go through a little like what we're looking at from an injury report perspective. And it's nothing significant. And I think that's, you know, I said this earlier in the season and I think it's still relevant is, man, we gave this training staff and the medical team and all of this a lot of grief over the last several years because the injury rate has just been way too dang high. It seems like the injury report every week has 10 plus names on it. And you're constantly looking it's like, wow, what are we going to do without this guy? What are you going to do without this guy? There was a game, I can't remember, maybe the 49ers game, uh, where the Saints started without Paul Sandibo or Marshawn Lattimore, right? Like it was just week after week after week, someone else, someone else, someone else. Well, this week, you know, you look at the Saints injury report, um, no illnesses. Seems like they've kicked that, you know, fingers crossed. No more poop explosions coming out of the locker room. Uh, no, that was that was kind of gross. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, like, that's basically that's what's what they're going through. You know, I, and I wouldn't know that unless Alvin told us directly. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, you look at the injury report, you're talking two players, two players with injuries that are bummers and you expect them to miss a bit of time, right? Two right. rookies, which is what makes it a bummer because this is the point in the season that you'd like to see rookies continue to get worked in. You don't, you know, like, especially Isaiah Foskey, the defensive end, who, again, you know, we talked about this in the beginning of the week. The pass rush has been an issue. Containing mobile quarterbacks has been an issue. And I've pointed to this for the last couple of years. Team speed on defense is an issue. And one of the reasons that you brought Isaiah Foskey in, and one of the reasons I still like him as a prospect, is he's, he's very athletic. He's a guy who can g- run around out there and chase some people down. And I was thinking, okay, you don't make a trade at the deadline. It's kind of pro- projecting that, okay, you're going to get Isaiah Foskey more involved. Well, dealing with a quad injury right now. So uh, it, it doesn't seem to be significant, but I don't expect him to be out there this week. And, and who knows, maybe, you know, you have a buy coming up. So you're not going to push anything that might be lingering knowing that you have the extra time off. So I don't expect to see him out there. And then running back Kendra Miller went down with an ankle sprain. And it's like, again, it's a bummer because, you know, the play he went down on with an ankle sprain was a 31-yard catch and run, right? Like, it's that's not what you want. But you do have Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill. So 
you know, if those are the if that's the player you're without, you're in decent shape. Right? If you're if you're looking around and you're saying there's positions we can't afford to be down bodies, running back is not one of them. Um, beyond that, you have Jimmy Graham still getting his rest. Which I mean, at what point do you just stop giving Jimmy Graham rest days? What what is that? I mean, how much rest do you need from the? You're not playing. That that's my whole thing. It's like he rested all of Sunday. Yeah, like what are you resting from? From <laughs> your. Know. It's a whole odd situation. I think like that, that's a big, like, huge m- mystery right now. We need like Lee Zurich or someone to delve inside. What's the deal with Jimmy Graham? You know, I don't, I don't know is, right now. I mean, is he like a player coach right now? Like, what is happening? I don't, I don't understand it. He was limited, right? So, but I don't know limited if I mentioned with so. rest. Yeah, li- he's limited with re- like he's rest. I, I don't, I don't get it. Ryan Ramchek also got rest. That's usual, right? He's playing, right? Uh, and he's been healthy. So yeah, so. Uh, the other the other three names on this list all were full participants. Uh, so Ty Summers for sure. Yeah, Ty Summers linebacker. He was listed with a concussion last week. He is not this week, so that's a good indicator that he has cleared that protocol. So he'll he should be back out there. I don't know. I mean, he, he's a special teams contributor. It's not. It wasn't a big deal that he wasn't out there. No offense, but you know that's yeah. not a huge impact uh, in terms of what you need to do on defense. And then Demario Davis, he got in his first full practice since that knee injury. So he's been. He hasn't missed any games, but he has been limited in practice since that injury against, I think it was the Texans. So that's a good sign that, you know, that injury is kind of, kind of run its course and you're kind of back to all world DeMario. That's a good thing. The only other name that that's worth talking about is Adam Prentice, who had his return to return window opened today. The fullback, he's been on injured reserve. He went on injured reserve after the week five win over the Patriots. So, he can now return. He was a full participant in practice. I I don't know whether you want him back. I, I mean, that's probably mean to say, but like, what Bing has brought, right? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, a, you're, are you going to have to cut boost. somebody, right? Like, in order to bring Adam back, you're going to have to cut somebody on the roster that you want to keep. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I think they do like having a fullback, but I wouldn't be surprised if you if you bring Adam Prentice back and then wave him immediately. And then throw him to the practice squad because you could still elevate him in games if you needed him. And, you know, from a from a compensation standpoint, I don't think it's that much different. Uh, Corey Littleton, interestingly enough, um, wild, right? got signed back to the Texans, <laughs> which which is kind of bizarre because it's like, why did they wave him if they were going to sign him back? Uh, I don't know. But Corey Littleton is no longer around. So I think the Saints are going to be in the market for just another linebacker body. Um, so maybe we'll see that. Yeah, one guy who you could look at is Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, which the reports are that he is willing to sign to the practice squad of a playoff contender. And when I tweeted that, hey, the Saints might be interested there because Jason Pierre-Paul, while he played you know, the last several years of his career on a 3-4 defense as an outside linebacker, his best seasons came with the Giants as a 4-3 defensive end. So he can do that. He can get to the quarterback. He can play the run. He's got long arms, eight fingers, seven and a half, maybe. Um, <laughs> the, and, the poster child for don't mess around with fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. He and David and Joku are going to like have PSAs about like, okay, guys, this is dangerous. Don't do this. <laughs> Leave but, it to the pros. <laughs> yeah. The uh, pros at that, not pros right, at right. football. Yeah. Um, but no, it's funny because when I tweeted that, like, they were like, oh, well, he wants to go to a playoff contender. And I was like, that's literally what the Saints are. 
right? Like you're going to try to sit there and you can tell me a lot of things. You can complain about a lot of things, but <laughs> pretending that this team doesn't have a chance to make the playoffs is, is nonsense. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're good. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs, but it feels likely right now. Like if you're, if you're a player who's looking around trying to find a spot where you can make an impact, they need you. And like you can expect to get on the field as the season goes on. The Saints would make a lot of sense. And I don't know if, if he's looking for a higher end playoff contender, like maybe the 49ers or, you know, the, the chiefs, right? Like there's, there's options on the table where you could say they are super bowl contenders, but playoff contender (laughs) is very much the saints right now. So I don't know. Like, I think you probably are still in the market for some depth at the defensive end position. And so that's something to keep in mind. No, I I definitely agree. Especially, you know, with the, the pass rush that has struggled, Maybe uh, someone like Pierre Paul could infuse a little, I don't know, a, a boost there somehow. But yeah, the team's sack numbers really amazingly down this year, considering how high the turnover numbers have gotten. Yeah, I think Robert Sally said this this week, and I, I agree with him in kind of principle of like, we get way too worked up about sack numbers. Like, like you can completely affect a play and not get a sack and it's still like a good play. Like if all you're looking at for a defensive end is how many sacks they have, it's like the difference between six and 10. It's like, are you saying that the guy who got six is garbage and the guy who got 10? So it's like you made four impact plays throughout a season and that's the balance of your work. And that's the only thing we're looking at. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. Like you can get four sacks in a game. You could have a three game stretch where you get eight sacks and then a 14 game stretch where you get zero. You finish the season with eight sacks and people are like, well, you had a good season. Right. <laughs> so that, that, that's the why it doesn't really, it doesn't, it's a lot harder to value at a defensive end than that number alone. That said, yes, you want sacks. Sacks are impactful. Pressure, pressures too. We need, I mean, we'll, we'll take that yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, and like just win rate, right? Like how many times have you beaten the guy in front of you is a question. Right. You know, like are you playing? And it's like what what technique are you playing, right? Are you containing? Are you playing a Lamar Jackson and you're just trying to keep him in the pocket? Because you're not going to get sacks there. You're doing your job. Anyway, so I don't know. I, I, that's a different rant for a different day. Let's let's just kind of go through the, the Vikings real quick. And, you know, so they have a much longer injury. Point. And that's the thing. Like, again, right. a lot of these teams you're facing have significant injury reports. And – you can say that, yeah, whatever, you know, the Saints are just getting lucky. But every year you look around the NFL and you you know what a common denominator is with a lot of teams that make the playoffs? They didn't have those crazy injuries. They didn't lose their starting quarterback to an injury. They have their starting running back. They have their elite playmakers. They have their defensive ends, right? They have their starters. And they aren't playing their fifth string cornerback at safety, right? Like that's that's usually a common theme among teams that, make it to the end of the season playing well. And the Saints are in that right now, so they're not going to apologize for that. That said, the Vikings, so you're talking about Jaron Hall, who's the quarterback. He's in the concussion protocol, so I don't expect him to be active this week. Uh, obviously, Josh Dobbs, who kind of came in midway through the game. And, <laughs> you know, the Falcons, you know, like you could talk about the Saints defense not playing well and whatever. They at least woke up and finished that game like an elite defense should against a rookie quarterback that has no business going out there and winning the Falcons did not. And like, like there's, there's a point where you can say, yeah, so he's a quarterback you weren't prepared for. So you might catch you off guard with some things, but in the fourth quarter, you have to have figured him out and win. And the Falcons didn't. So like, you're talking about, you know, Dennis Allen and the defense and the offense and like Arthur Smith, 
that seat's got to be getting pretty hot. Because like you, you, you were going into a game against Darren Hall. You ended that game against Josh Dobbs. And you lost. Yeah. At home. It's like, yeah, you can't lose that game and expect to be a playoff game. Like, that's the difference between four and five and five and four right now. No, no, it's Falcons. You think Saints fans are frustrated. Falcons fans, you got Bijan, uh, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, all these weapons, and you're not even using them. Uh, I would love to play the audio of Arthur Smith answering a question about why Bijan Robinson is oh, not so bad in the red zone. I can't. Because we don't have enough time. Because his answer was six minutes long. And he said nothing. Nothing, right. Nothing. He just said like, well, sometimes you do this. Sometimes you do that. You know, sometimes if you get 50% or you get 70%, we always want to score. But we don't always score. So sometimes you don't score. Oh, my God. That is the answer of a crazy person. Um, No, I definitely think like you're right with he's on the hot seat. And then, man, you got to start wondering about our boy Terry Fontenot over there. If what's going to happen yeah. with him, um, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out with the ATL. Agreed. But no, so I mean, I'm not going to go through the entire Viking injury report, but the ones that are worth watching: KJ Osborne, really good. You know, not a receiver that a lot of people talk about, but he is a good receiver. He's a player that if he's on the field, you have to account for. He's going to be one of their high, especially if there's no Justin Jefferson, which I don't expect that we'll get to that in a second. You know, he's a guy who, you know, you, you expect to make some plays and you need to account for. So he's dealing with a groin injury. He didn't practice to start the week. So he'll be one to watch. Another one is uh, Jalen Naylor returned from IR this week. He could potentially play. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. And the other one is Justin Jefferson also returned. You know, I, I say return from IR. His practice window opened. And I think most people kind of have, the structure of this figured out by now, but so you have to be out for four weeks. Go ahead. I think when most people saw that though, no, they panicked. It was like, Oh my God, he returned to practice. Well, it's like, of course it happens the week against the Saints. Yeah, like we knew Saints. this was going to happen, right? Like it, because the way IR works is you, you have to be out for four weeks and then you have three weeks where you can practice and not be added to the active roster. So, I mean, as if, if the Vikings think that he's going to be able to return by December, yes, He's going to come back this week, regardless of whether he's ready to play this weekend. Kevin O'Connell did say that he does not expect him to play. So like, there's a chance he plays, but I would not look at that and say like, okay, well, we need to be super prepared for Justin Jefferson. Because even if he does play, who, I, I doubt he's going to be particularly effective with all that time out and you know, dealing with a hamstring injury. Like A hamstring injury isn't something you want to mess with when you're in the position the Vikings are in, particularly. Because... If you're the Vikings, you're looking at this like, man, we just went for it's like when the when the Saints lost Drew Brees and, and won all the games with Teddy. Yeah. Right. And, and it's like, well, we don't need to rush Drew back because we're in way better position than we ever thought we would be. So let's just figure it out. And I think he came back against the, the Cardinals and like we date or whatever. Uh, like the Justice, like you're five and four. You've won all four games without him. Why would you feel like you need to rush him back right now? Just to just to just for this game, just because you can, when like worst case scenario, you're five and five and you're getting Justin Jefferson back how, at whatever point you get him. I don't know. I, I so I don't expect to see him, but that's something to watch, obviously, and you can kind of go from there. Yeah, I thought, you know, Schefter tweeted out the comments from Coach O'Connell. It was you know, I think it'd be aggressive to think that Jefferson could play this week. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but that's really all I have on the on the injury reports. One other thing that I was arguing with people on the internet about today, there was a there was a list of like pre mid season picks 
to win the end of season awards. So like offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, blah, blah, blah. But the one that kind of stands out to me is comeback player of the year. And, you know, it's like we already, we, I guess we all decided as a media core, as a fan, uh, you know, as a, as a league that DeMar Hamlin was going to win it. it. Yeah. It just gets it. Right. But like, you look at, it, it's like, okay, like I get it. I get it. And I'm not taking anything away from his story. Like his story is great. Sure. He's played 18 snaps. In one game this year, is that enough to win? Like in the history of this award, it's like, okay, you went through adversity and then you came back and it's like, I don't even need him to play well, but I think that he should at least have to play. <laughs> like you're talking about a guy who just hasn't played. And like, I don't think it takes away from DeMar Hamlin to say like, no, there's people who are probably more deserving of this award, right? Like that have played and it's right. like, it's not Come all about Michael Thomas right? just there. Yeah. I mean like, and I get it. Like it's a, he's going to win it because it's a, it's the right PR move. Right. Right. Like I get it. I understand it. I still don't so agree I guess with you it. You had trolls coming after you for saying he shouldn't. Well, and people are like, Oh, he literally died. And I'm like, I know, but you know, <laughs> but, but he, he's still not doing anything right he's now. Not playing. <laughs> he's not playing. Like what? Like, I don't think it's, it's a controversial take. To be like, you should have to play in the season to win a season award. I just like we so, and, and the annoying thing. So like, someone came to me and was like, "Well, who who would you have win it?" And I'm like, "It doesn't matter. The conversation isn't even worth having because if you if you're already saying with 18 snaps played, he's the winner, then it's over. Just give it to him now." Right? It's just strange to me, and I just think it takes away from the conversations we could be having about players who also had very difficult seasons. And came back and have played very well. And it's kind of a homer take from me because I think people aren't talking enough about Mike Thomas and what he's been able to do this season after missing effectively three years of football with various injuries. And he's now played in nine games. And no, he hasn't been a been a supernova. He just had his first game ever without a catch. But he, he did play the there. entire game. Right. And like, so you could talk about Tua. You could talk about Josh Dobbs. You could talk about Mike Tua. Thomas. But like... Just giving it to Demar Hamlin because he's Demar Hamlin, I just think that's unfair to other players. And like someone's like, "Well, who, what what examples do you have of guys who have dealt with what he did and came back?" And I'm like, "You, this is the NFL. You have serious, like life-threatening injuries, not all the time, but a but lot, yeah, a good amount. Like that's part of the reason it's so dangerous to play in the NFL. Like Ryan Shazier didn't win it; he came back." from what like a paralyzing injury didn't ever yeah. didn't really play you could have given the award to him you didn't do it you know like look, look look at the recipients of this award and show me the winners who won it without playing and i don't know like i just think it's reductive for the league to just look at that and say he's going to win this award that is supposed to be about coming back to to the game and succeeding in a way that 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 people probably didn't think you could, and and by that definition, sure, you could say just getting on the field for eighteen snaps, fine. Since but I don't know. Yeah, like, and I get it. Like again, I, I'm not taken away from the Demar Hamlin story. I just don't think that saying he gets this award regardless of anything that happens is is I don't know fair to other the other players who have dealt with stuff. No, you like, just mentioned Tua, and to me, yeah, Tua is more deserving. 
Well, to, I mean, yeah, to look at two. I mean, the guy had multiple concussions. Like you, you're talking about his career might be over, right? And the hands on the field. That was yeah, all scary. Defensive response, like, like stuff like that happens. This is not a league where, you know, it's like the, the NBA. If someone went down like that and it's like, yeah, this is the first time you've ever seen anything like that where someone gets carted off the field and you're like, not sure what's going to happen. Right. Like, it's like at least once every couple of weeks, you see like a thumbs up from a guy on a backboard, strapped to a backboard, and you're like, okay, God, thank God he's alive, right? Like, I don't know. And, and, and I'm going to come off as the dick here because I don't, like, I'm, I'm not like just jumping over a, a barrel to hand an award to a guy who deserves a lot of credit, right? I just think it's midseason and we're saying he's played 18 snaps and it's his. I don't, I don't, I, I disagree with that. Personally. I'm with you, actually. I don't think that's fair at all. Like I said, when you mentioned a few names, and yeah, to me, I, right now, if I had to, I'm giving it to Tua. It's just like, like I get there's no like actual criteria that requires playtime. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, look at the history of this award. Look at the history of the people who've won this award and tell me that this is not a weird, a weird hill to be on. That literally just getting back onto, like, onto the sideline is all you tell it to anyway. That's true. Well, actually, then for the Saints, why don't we throw Jimmy Graham into the mix? Yeah, he he's spent all offseason cycling and he's back. Um, I don't know. Like I, I just think it. Like I, like I said, people should be talking more about people like guys like Michael Thomas and Tua, and that's that's to me that's what makes that award so great. Is it highlights players who, you know, it overcame adversity and. And it kind of balances like, okay, yeah, this was really impressive, but this was more impressive. And this was, and you know, I just think by saying that it's his award, regardless of anything that happens around him, which saying it's his with 18 snaps played in nine games is doing that. It, it, that it just erases the discussion about other players who have, who have come back and, and done really impressive things. Do you, you, this is a question too. Do you feel like Buffalo might be like, Man, we can't even cut this guy. We'd be, we'd be get we'd get killed if we released him. One thousand percent. Not even a question. Yeah, yeah. No, they can't cut him. They can't put him on the practice squad. Are you kidding me? No. That's it. That's all I got. Anything else you want to add before we move on? So let's wrap up that segment of Inside Black and Gold. I forgot to mention in the beginning what we were going to talk about. So let's <laughs> mention it right now. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk to Sam Ekstrom, host of Locked On Vikings. He's also the play-by-play guy for. Gophers hockey, so probably has some good insight on Jordan Howden, who's making that return trip to Minnesota this week because he played for uh, the gold, the Golden Gophers, which is one of my favorite uh, mascots in in pro sports or just in sports in general. It's obviously college. But the Golden, the Golden Gophers, all the Gophers. You know what he called the Gophers on the golf course? Um, that's it. And then we're gonna, and then the final segment I want to talk about pressure rates. The Vikings blitz at a higher rate than anyone in the NFL. So we'll go through that. We heard from Derek Carr. But we're going to change our format a little bit from X-Factors to, to who's your guy? Who is your guy in this matchup that you want to see have a big game? So that's what we're going to do. So this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Stick around. And we're back. Here on Inside Black and Gold, I am Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller as always. We're getting you ready for Saints 5-4 and four at Vikings 5-4. and four. And We're bringing in Sam Ekstrom, the executive producer of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. He also hosts a mess of podcasts up there and does play-by-play 
for Gophers Hockey. How are you doing today, Sam? You staying warm? Doing well, yeah. We're having a nice little fall here in Minnesota. I heard that you might be coming to the game on Sunday. You're going to enjoy some of our beautiful fall weather. So uh, excited to see you and hope you have a good trip. But yeah, we're doing well here. Yeah, you know, it's funny. And I, as I know you, you're close with the, the Gophers program, which one of my favorite mascots, by the way, is the, the Golden Gophers. It's just great. But uh, so I heard Jordan Howden talking in the locker room yesterday and he was, oh. he was getting asked like oh are you excited to go back it's gonna be cold and he was like you don't even know we played outside <laughs> and i do think that's like wild that they like the vikings play indoors so it's like yeah okay it's freezing cold but you don't really deal with it you deal with it on the way to the stadium and on the way out but you know playing outside and that must be wild i think the vikings actually did one that stadium was being built, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the Vikings had two years in the Gopher Stadium while U.S. Yeah. Bank Stadium was going up, and they played some epic games, including the wild card against Seattle, right. where Blair Walsh missed the kick, where oh. it was about negative six wow. actual temp, negative 20 wind chill. That was a Teddy Bridgewater game, right? That was, um, well, Bridgewater was the QB. Yep. He would, I would say he wasn't the big storyline in that game. That was the Blair Walsh miss um, at the end, but, but yeah, that, that was a Teddy Bridgewater led team. Um, And it was, I mean, December, like college football players don't play outside in December, right? The season ends by Thanksgiving. Yeah. Vikings played some stupid cold games in that stadium. It's a little nicer now, but Jordan Howden, by the way, biggest interception in like the last, 30 years of Gophers football when he beat Penn State with an interception a couple of years ago when they were top 10. That was uh, that was huge. Gotcha. Well, yeah, you know, the, the other memory, the other vivid memory I have of Minnesota football, other than the woman, the, the he who must not be named kind of play that we're not going to talk about is uh, the uh, the stadium collapsing. Remember the the the, the bubble stadium? kind of Yeah. The, yep. 2010, um, yes. the year where everything went wrong. Like that was only like the fourth craziest thing to happen that year, too, because <laughs> Brett Favre got caught. Right. texting photos of oh, private parts and they had a game snowed out in Philadelphia and had to play on a Tuesday. They had <laughs> Randy Moss show up and insult a catering staff and then get cut the next day. Like it was bizarre. And then yeah, oh yeah, stadium collapsed. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah. The, the world was not meant to be in the North. That's all. That's just what I usually say, but okay, let's, let's get into this topic. And you know, the question that everyone's asking is, you know, so Josh Dobbs shows up middle of the week, People are calling on the pastronaut, right? Like the this guy is just this really intriguing figure. He's actually teammates with Alvin Kamara in college at Tennessee. And you just, you know, he's showing his teammates his cadence on the sideline. Then he goes out there and beats the Falcons. And you know, I guess the question is, what's the confidence level in this Vikings team right now? It just feels like this is a team that finds ways to win. It did it all last year. Even this year, it's like, oh, they lost Justin Jefferson. Suddenly they go on a four-game winning streak. So what what is kind of the the key here? Is it all Kevin O'Connell? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, O'Connell deserves his flowers for calling probably his best game as an offensive play caller. I mean, that that was incredible. And he deserves, you know, maybe not as much credit as Dobbs, but a good chunk of that for talking him through what he had to do on the fly in real time. You know who's not confident about the Vikings is Vegas. Vikings are underdogs in their building by two and a half points. And you always look at that with a little healthy skepticism and say, okay, well, why, why does Vegas feel this way? Cause they're usually pretty spot on. And I think it's just sort of a realistic approach to saying, Hey, we don't believe in fairy tales here. We believe in probabilities and data. And the probability is, is that a, a backup quarterback, this fresh in the system is not going to be able to duplicate that for multiple weeks. 
it'd be naive to say that having an extra week suddenly gives Josh Dobbs a great handle on this offense. It took Kirk Cousins a year to figure out this offense with Kevin O'Connell, and he's very diligent. So I think Dobbs is still in the elementary stages of learning this Kevin O'Connell scheme. There's no way he's going to have it all figured out at this point. And if he can't scramble out of issues the way he did against the Falcons, you know, that was everything. Dobbs got out of so many bad situations with his legs, and I'm not sure that's a sustainable way to look at it. So he's going to have to deliver from the pocket. He's going to have to, you know, execute for a full four quarters now with an opponent game planning against him. And I think that's a tough task. So I understand why the outside confidence might be fairly low. I think internally confidence is high, but we've also seen this Vikings team come off big emotional wins in the past and then have a big letdown the following week. That's kind of human nature. So I'm, I'm walking into this game very cautiously. Um, I think that when you have such a high like you did against Atlanta, it's just natural that you have some regression coming off of that. No, to see Josh Dobbs rushing yards last game is a, a strikes fear into the hearts of Hudats because, man, it's been rough for just about any kind of mobile quarterback against the Saints this year. They've been able to, to rack up yardage. But other than that, the Vikings, I know run game has really struggled this season. Obviously, some injuries but I don't think, uh, obviously, like missing someone like Dalvin Cook right now, you're seeing he hasn't really done anything with the New York Jets. Uh, what's going on with, uh, you know, the the run, the ground attack there in Mini? Boy, I wish I could tell you. Um, Josh Dobbs had the longest run of yeah. any Viking this season last week. They wow. did not have a run of 20 or more yards. They, I knew, and everyone knew, I think, that they were probably downgrading their talent going from Cook to Madison or sort of a timeshare there at running back. And I guess, like you said, Cook hasn't been great in New York either. So they made right. the right decision there. And they they, they figured that, okay, we're going to go cheap here. We're going to try to churn through running backs. We're not going to be that reliant on the run anyway. But it has been really bad at times. Um, I think two weeks ago, they were two yards per carry on the ground. And last week, I thought they were just going to go run, run, pass, run, run, pass the entire game and just punt every time. That's the way it looked early against the Falcons. Alexander Madison has never been explosive. Um, he struggled a little bit with his vision this season, missing holes, missing cutback lanes. You know, they tried Ty Chandler as his backup. And for whatever reason, the coaching staff hasn't really trusted him to get a bigger role. They trade for Cam Akers. He showed some flashes and then tore his Achilles last week. So probably back to Ty Chandler now to try to shake something up because Alexander Madison is he's durable. He can be okay in short yardage. He's not going to explode for you. And this Offensive line is maybe the most mystifying to me because they were mostly drafted with the intention of being good run blockers by the previous regime. And now in this mid-zone run scheme that they execute, haven't been good run blockers. So I don't know exactly why that drop-off has occurred in this scheme, but it's been a problem. And if you can't run the ball with a backup quarterback, he's not going to be able to get out of third and tens all day. So you're going to have to be more efficient there. Yeah. So, you know, one, one thing that I think Saints fans are, you know, they, they feel like, oh man, it's always us is like, okay, Justin Jefferson had his practice window open this week. We talked about that a little earlier in the podcast, but you know, it's to me, it's like, yeah, he was always going to come back this week in terms of practice. The question is whether he plays and it sounds like, yeah, it's, it's on the, it's on the side of unlikely uh, in terms of whether he gets on the field this week, but you know, so beyond him, obviously KJ Osborne's also dealing with an injury. I think uh, I can't, I can't recall what it is, but 
you know, Jordan Addison. Yes, concussion, right? And Jordan Addison is kind of this guy who was a top top pick, right? The Vikings mm-hmm. have, you know, maybe I don't want to say reach for him, but it's like you kind of look, it's like, okay, man, they added a Jordan Addison to an offense with Justin Jefferson. It seems like how many number ones can you have? But, you know, it's worked out because they miss, Justin missed time and Jordan seems like he hasn't missed a beat, 41 catches, 534 yards and seven touchdowns, which is pretty crazy just in terms of any wide receiver to have seven touchdowns through nine weeks. What ha- what what makes him so difficult to cover uh, in this offense? Yeah, if you watch Jordan Addison get a free release – it's like his first step, he's already at full speed. He's right. got some of the the craziest foot talent that I've seen. Um, if you watch him in the drills, like throughout training camp or in practice where they're doing sort of like the high knees or the quick feet drills, he's moving at a different speed than everybody else. So he's got sort of this like really good tight area movement and he plays bigger than his size. So he's only about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, right? But he catches everything in his catch radius and beyond. He doesn't play like a small receiver. He plays like a big receiver. Uh, He's very comfortable taking on that contact at the catch point. Good contested catch guy. So even though he's small in stature, um, he's proven to be so far pretty durable this season after dealing with some preseason injury issues. Crazy fast. I mean, his separation is the secret sauce that's why they drafted him. They believed in him from day one. They thought he could be a starter. They needed to replace Adam Thielen. And it honestly, it didn't take long for Jordan Addison to separate himself above KJ Osborne. Like, I mean, he became the number two to Jefferson in about a month, month and a half. And now with Jefferson out, I think Addison's pretty clearly the number one. I doubt Osborne plays. So all the attention is going to be on Jordan Addison. And that'll be interesting because I think now if you're devoting your best against Addison as the number one, that'll be a real test for Jordan, probably his biggest test of the year against a good secondary that you have. Uh, obviously looking at another weapon on that offense, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, how's he feel like he's been doing uh, year two with that offense? And how surprising was it that they were able to do a, you know, you never see that trade within the division and it's just questionable. I was like, wow, I couldn't believe Detroit was willing to give up that weapon to face him twice a year. Yeah, I think Detroit was just, uh, you know, giving us, th- they were throwing us a bone because we traded them the pick that they used to get Jamison Williams. So they said, ah, we'll give one back to you. Here's <laughs> TJ Hawkinson. Uh, it, it's funny because they remember Detroit started off, I think, one in seven last year. They were going nowhere. Dan Campbell was on the hot seat. They trade Hawkinson, they traded these assets, and then they got red hot. <laughs> and now in retrospect, I got to believe Detroit would like to have Hawkinson back, knowing what they know now that they're a a division leading team and they've won like 13 of their last 15 regular season games. Ah, That, that trade looks bad for them. I think in retrospect, Uh, but Hawkinson stepped in here kind of Dobbs like honestly, in his very first week with the team last year, he had a virtuoso performance, barely knowing the playbook and he's just kept it right on going People got a little upset with him earlier this year, had some drop issues. He he had a ball hit off his hands in the end zone that cost them the game against the Chargers in week three. But he is the safety net. He is the sort of that that comfortable 
underneath option that Dobbs can find, even if he doesn't, you know, know some of the routes developing downfield, TJ Hawkinson's going to be right there. Uh, he does a lot of chipping at the line. He he's got good contested catch ability, big, you know, catch radius. He's just reliable. Um, he's going to be good for six, seven catches and 60 yards a game, very consistently. And he's been playing through uh, some oblique pain, some rib stuff going on right now. I think he's going to be good to go Sunday, but, He's been a wonderful safety net for this offense with uh, Kirk Cousins before, and now it looks like Josh Dobbs going forward. Yeah, so one, one unique thing about this this uh, Vikings defense is, you know, it, it has an elite pass rusher in terms of, I think, Dan, Daniel Hunter. I almost said Danielle. Daniel Hunter has 10 mm-hmm. sacks. I think that might lead the NFL at this point. Yes. But it's also a team that blitzes more than any team in the NFL. And so I am, I am curious. So this this Brian Flores defense, obviously it's it's very amorphous. Like you're showing a lot of looks. You're not bringing everybody. You're dropping out. Sometimes you're bringing everybody. Sometimes you're bringing nobody. What has that been? Kind of the theme for this defense is pressure, pressure, pressure. And when you can't get pressure, it it can open up a little bit because I think that's kind of what that would lend you to believe is if you're not getting pressure with Daniel Hunter or these blitzes, there's probably some room to work on the back end. Yeah, um, it took about a month for this to kind of come into shape. There were a couple games against elite quarterbacks early in the year. Justin Herbert in particular, Patrick Holmes to some extent as well, where they brought the blitz very liberally. And you're going up against some of the best quarterbacks in the league against the blitz. Like Herbert has killed blitzes forever. And they blitzed him like an absurd amount and he torched them. And people were saying, well, you're bringing all this pressure, but you're not getting home. But over time, They've gotten a little more effective at getting to the quarterback. Hunter is heated up, obviously. The secondary seems to put themselves in a lot of advantageous positions, and it's really come together the last five weeks. Granted, they've played some backup quarterbacks that have made them look good. They played Bryce Young, who made them look really good. Tyson Bajant, Taylor Heineke, like that's going to make your defense look better, but you see this group coming to ke- coming together very cohesively where there's really only one star. Daniil Hunter's a star. Harrison Smith, in the twilight of his career, he's, he's a good player too. But you just have a lot of solid players throughout. And they're all looking... The guys that were around last year in the Ed Donatel defense are almost universally looking better under Brian Flores. And that aggression, blitzing 50 to 60% of the time... Uh, that confuses offenses and it gets quarterbacks off their rhythm. Uh, Derek Carr has been pretty good against the blitz this year, but I think they're going to, you know, he's always been a very aggressive deep ball thrower. I think they're going to force him to make those quicker throws kind of like he did against Chicago last week and, uh, you know, make them drive the field on you. They're not going to let him beat you with one big throw. Yeah, one one other statistical thing that I think is interesting is I just looked this up just, you know, so the top 20 tacklers in the NFL, 19 of them are linebackers. The only non-linebacker is Cameron Bynum, who's a safety. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm just like curious. So what 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 has it been about this defense that has its safety him, right? making 80 tackles? 80. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the uh Flores has been the safety whisperer, and they play <laughs> three safeties on most downs. Bynum. So he's basically a small linebacker. Harrison Smith. But but not Bynum, though. Bynum is more of a true safety. Josh Metellus okay. is the wild card. Metellus is going to be the rover that plays a little linebacker, a little slot, a little safety. He's on the field a ton. But Bynum is having a career year, third year in the league. He's really taken the leap. 
And he's one of those guys that is always around the ball. He's dropped a couple interceptions as well, but he's had, I think he's got three picks this year. It could be six. Uh, he's had a really terrific campaign. He's been shown a lot more physicality, kind of crashing downhill in, in run support. And that's where he, you know, tackles for guys in the secondary aren't always good representations because it means right. that people are catching the ball close to you and then you're wrapping them up. It means but, that they're the ball is there. <laughs> right. But correct. But if you look at the yeah, like the analytics would show that Bynum is truly, you know, earning these tackles. He's getting run stops. He's been really supportive in uh in you know the outside run force. So I think that th- th- that's a legitimate 80 tackles there for Bynum where he is one of the best players, if not the best players, at least aside from Daniil Hunter on this defense. You, you mentioned uh, in the beginning uh, with Josh Dobbs and the, you know the offense, obviously. What are some of the key factors you think for this team, for the Vikings to be able to, you know, they're two and a half point underdogs right now in Vegas at home. Mm-hmm. And the outlook, like you mentioned, it's it's that can this guy do it another week in a row for this team or is he going to come back to earth? But what do you see as the biggest factor for Minnesota to be able to pull out the victory this week? Yeah, just take care of the ball. That's been their problem all season. They're 29th okay. in. That, in yeah, tur- that's been a, a big plus for the Saints there. <laughs> Taking it away. Yeah, yeah. What, what was it? Were the Saints a plus five last week against Chicago? Right, that was nuts. Yeah, sure were. Yeah, and you know, the Vikings have fumbled away a lot of games. It's not like their quarterbacks have made terrible decisions and been turnover prone. They've just fumbled and it's been a bunch of different culprits. It's been Justin Jefferson. It's been Brandon Powell. It's been Alexander Madison. Um, And Josh Dobbs last week fumbled three times, lost two, right? Yeah. Got to hang on to the ball. And usually, you know, fumble luck, quote unquote, that's something that kind of regresses back to the mean. So if you do it a bunch, it's probably not going to continue that way. And the Vikings are just waiting for that to sort of settle down. You can only emphasize it so much in practice, but at some point you you just got to stop fumbling. TJ Hawkinson's fumbled. I mean, you can look at half a dozen different players that have put the ball on the ground, often at very inopportune times. That's how you stay in the game is you don't turn the ball over. So if Josh Dobbs can play turnover free, I think they've got a very good chance uh, to win this football game, but they, you know, Dobbs is a little bit of a high variance quarterback. Um, when you're mobile, you put yourself at risk to fumble the football more. Um, he has, you know, made plenty of mistakes in his tenure with the Arizona Cardinals. So I think we've yet to see how Dobbs fares in maybe a little more stable offensive system. He wasn't set up for a lot of success in Arizona. Now that he's got more around him, a better infrastructure in Minnesota, can they mitigate some of those mistakes that he might have made before? That's going to be the big question for me. Yeah, I think the game that stands out just because it was national televised game and I watched it was the week two. I think it was Thursday night football. Uh, I think I have four fumbles lost in that game. And yep. like Kirk Cousins, four touchdowns, no interceptions, but four fumbles lost and four different players. So I think that goes back to what you're talking about. Like like mistake-prone football will lose you a lot of games regardless of how well you are playing. But we're talking to Sam Ekstrom, host uh, of several podcasts, but executive producer of Lockdown Minnesota. He also calls a lot of Gophers hockey games. Check him out on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom, E-K-S-T-R. Oh, M. And a final question before you go: What is your score prediction for this game? Is is the Vikings' run uh, going to continue in in Week Ten, or do you think the Saints get it done? 
Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm going to go the homer pick. Um, Vikings have had the Saints number. Um, don't need to tell you guys that, but 23-20 would be my final score prediction. I sense a late field goal coming. Vikings haven't uh, had sort of the walk-off field goal situation yet this year. I think that maybe this is the, the week for it. So 23-20, Vikings over Saints. Uh, Josh Dobbs runs for a touchdown, throws for a touchdown, also throws a pick six in the game. That's my uh, very specific prediction. Ooh. See, I, I don't know what you're talking about because I have blocked every memory of Viking Saints games from my brain for the last five five plus years. So, I, I mean, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Anyway, uh, yeah. thank, Fair <laughs> thanks enough. so much, Sam. Uh, appreciate, appreciate you coming on here as always. Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. Thanks again to Sam for coming on. You know, I, I think... Again, it's like this is a. I, I think the Vikings are kind of playing with house money right now, and uh, yeah, this, the Saints. You know, one of these teams is gonna is gonna come out of this game feeling real, real good about themselves, and they're gonna be six and four, and they're gonna be like, man, like a lot of stuff has gone wrong, but we figured it out. We're on the right track, and the other team's gonna be like, Ey. although, like maybe not for the Vikings. I think, like I said, the Vikings are gonna be five and five if they lose, and. You know, feel like, well, we, we are way better off than we should have probably expected to be, knowing that we were without our star wide receiver and, you know, trying to going one and one with Josh Dobbs in there is probably a good thing. Anyway, um, I think it's, it's a really interesting matchup. And I think it's going to come down to whether the Saints can stop Josh Dobbs from running. That's that's definitely scary considering what we saw him do last week. And yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't believe what we saw out of Bajant, uh, Bajant. Uh, with the Bears, I didn't think he was going to be that mobile for crying out loud. Amazing what what a game against the Saints will do for you. Although uh, yeah. Josh Dobbs, he is the second most rushing yards of any quarterback this year. I know. I'm surprised by that. Only Lamar's yeah. ahead of him. I mean, Justin Fields would probably be ahead of him if he didn't get hurt, right? So there's there's something there. But either way, like that's not that's not an accident, you know. So that's this something that he does well, and something that the Saints don't defend well. And that's not a good combination. <laughs> but all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to get into a little bit more of these pressure stats because I think they're really interesting. And then we're going to pick some some my guys, my guys who we think are who we think are going to get the job done. But all right, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. This is Inside Black and Gold. Stick the heck around. What else are you doing? Inside black and gold getting y'all ready for week 10 it's already week 10 man this season's flying by crazy what you know it's like time flies when you're having fun but so much of the season hasn't been fun so why is it going so fast i don't Cause, know because it's football and you know it's it always goes by fast I, I we always you know the ramp up to it uh we you know you're excited about training camp training camps here oh man I just want to get to the preseason. You get to the preseason, you're like, forget this. Give me real football. And then real football comes. And now it's like, oh, no, I don't want it to end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're halfway through the season. Like, this season's <laughs> flying by. And, you know, I, I guess, like, maybe it's because we haven't had a bye week yet. And it's like, yeah. it kind of feels like a sprint and then the bye. And then, but I do think, like, week 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 11 bye is perfect. Like, yeah, it, it is pretty money. Because, yeah, afterwards, you look at how things are set up, obviously, with the division. And, yeah, every game, it's like, bam, bam, bam. It's it's going to be a hell of a ride. Yeah, like the final – yeah, so you've had, what, two division games? 
So you have a game against the Panthers, game against the Bucks. So six of your final, what, eight games are division games? Is that right? It's wild, right? That can't be right. That's not right. Four, after the bye, four of your final seven games are division games. <laughs> we so, got there eventually, right? Yeah, we, 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 we got there. Yeah, we, we, we went to college and stuff. <laughs> sort of, right? <laughs> um, but all right, so this segment, I want to get into one thing that we talked about a decent bit with uh, Sam in the last segment, but the numbers are really kind of startling when you see them, which is the Vikings blitz at a rate that is kind of remarkable when you look at it. I mean, the Vikings blitz on 51.3% of their defensive snaps. That That is crazy. The next highest team is the Giants at 43.1. So they are significantly higher than the Giants. Yeah. But even that number, it makes it seem like that's a more reasonable figure than it is. The 10th highest blitzing team in the NFL is the Panthers. So 10th, top 10, that's like toward the top, right? You are top third of the NFL in terms of percentage of blitzes sent per game, 28.8%. So so the the Vikings are nearly double that as the number one team in the NFL. And that's a Brian Flores thing. Like that's not unusual for his defenses, but it is something that the Saints, I think that's going to be the biggest factor of this game is how do you handle those extra rushers? Can you pick them up? Can Derek Carr identify them? Because I think, Getting the ball out hot has been something that he has not done particularly well. Um, he didn't do well against the Jags, at least. You know, there's been there were some very critical moments in that game, and so he was asked about handling that pressure this week. Under the same look and dropping out of it. You know, they do. Uh, you, know, you know, they try you know, blow you to sleep with something, and then they hit you with something. You know, they, they, he's such a good coach. You know, he really is. He's a great coach. I've always had so much respect for him uh, from afar. Obviously, going against him. Uh, and he's always, he always makes it difficult on quarterbacks. And you, you watch the watch the tape, you know, some really good teams having some problems. And, uh, you know, so for us, we got to be so locked in on our details and our rules and uh, on our game plan uh, so that we can go out there and try and have a successful day against him because it's tough. You know, uh, some, they, you know he's done a great job, you know, for a long time against really good offenses. So we got our work cut out for us. So, Did anyone ask Derek what's up with the sleeves? I did, actually. Okay, what do you so, say? He, so, yeah, it's funny because he hasn't worn sleeves at any of these. But last week it was really cold and he went out there sleeveless and he was like shivering the whole time. And then this week it was actually like 80 degrees and he was right. wearing the jacket. And I asked him because I was like, are you just getting ready for Minnesota? What are you doing? He's like, I, I expected it to be cold again. I'm like, well, you're learning about New Orleans in real time. Yeah. Welcome to Louisiana, it, baby. Yeah, because <laughs> it was it was legit like 80, 85 degrees yesterday. Like it was not sweatshirt That's why weather. I was, I, was, I was struck by that. I was like, what's he doing? Yeah, I was like, where are his arms? What happened? Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, that's funny that you guys said that because I, I had the same question. <laughs> but no, so I think how Derek handles that, how how Derek, how the blocking schemes, how the running backs, you know, how they pick up pressure is going to be a major factor in this game because you know if you have if you end up with multiple plays where Derek you know gets a blindside blitz and doesn't see it, and no one picks it up, and he gets the ball knocked out, fumble. You know, those are those are game changing type plays. And that's what when you're when you're a blitzing defense, that's the that's what you're that's what you're trying to do. And the Giants are like that, too. But I think the Giants are doing that because they don't have enough talent on the defense. I think the Vikings actually do have talent on this defense. And so you're kind of making that calculation of we're not going to get home on every play. 
and you're leaving openings when you blitz and you don't get home and you can get hit for big plays. You can get hit down the field, but they're gambling on, okay, we're going to play a shell defense. We're going to force you to go underneath. We're going to come up and make the tackle and we're going to blitz you relentlessly. And you know, you might, you might get some yardage. You might work your way downfield. Eventually we're going to get home because all we need is one. All we need is one game changing drive changing type sack. And then we win that possession. Right. And so like, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you have a good quarterback and you've, it's like Steph Curry, right. In the NBA, Steph Curry wants you to double team him hmm. because when you double team him. He already knows where he's going with the ball. Right. And so you, you're, you you can double team Steph. He's sending it over there for a wide open three. He's sending it inside for a layup. Right. So that's what good quarterbacks do. That's what Tom Brady has always been able to do. It's why you don't blitz Tom Brady because, or like you didn't blitz Tom Brady because you would send a blitz at him and you it would end up hurting you more than it more than it hurt him because he already knew where you were coming from and he knew where he was going before you even started to come at him. And that's where you so you can you can beat slow quarterbacks. You can beat quarterbacks who aren't reading things correctly by doing that. You will lose to quarterbacks who know what they're doing. So that's where the Saints need Derek Carr to be a 10-year veteran. Right? This is the type of This is why you don't go with a rookie quarterback. This is why you go with a veteran because he's supposed to be able to find these situations and find the weaknesses and exploit them. And so hopefully he can do that. And if he can, I think the Saints win this game. Luckily, we've been seeing huge improvements in the offensive line. Uh, Watching that film breakdown I mentioned before we got on the air. uh, Chase Daniel and Drew Brees. Yeah, yeah, that that was great stuff. Um, Enjoyed uh the and you mentioned uh, the the past episode obviously about Jamal Williams also seeing Alvin Kamara be able to pick up those uh blitzes it's, it's going to that's going to be huge too obviously in this matchup yeah no and and that's something that the Saints have done well the last few weeks that I don't think they did particularly well earlier in the year which is just picking up pressure and giving Derek cuz it's like you don't need 5 6 seconds in the pocket but you do need that extra half second to just allow someone to come open. So you're not throwing into a tight window. So you're, you're not just trying to complete five yards and in, in a big hit, you're trying to get someone on the run for a big play. And it's like the touchdown, right? I know they broke down that play on the, on the film review. One of the reasons it's a touchdown and not an, a, a ball in the dirt or a sack because Jamal Williams picks up the pressure and gives Derek just that extra wow. half second yes. that he needs for a lave to win. Because he's going to win. It's just a matter of how long it takes. And he's going to win pretty quickly because Chris Olave is a very good route runner. But again, you can't just throw that because you have pressure. You have to allow it to develop. So, yeah, I, I think that's this game. Like, I think Saints fans are going to watch this. There's going to be points in this game where they, they call the right blitz against the right play. And, and, and it just looks like, man, the Saints had nothing. And it's like, you just got to, like, that's what's going to happen. And Pete Carmichael, you know, we mentioned Derek Carr has to do a good job of that. Pete Carmichael also has to do a good job of making sure that he's not putting his team in a bad situation by not calling plays with the expectation that you're going to be blitzed on a high majority of them. And there's going to be a lot of checks. There's going to be a lot of hot reads, that sort of thing. And that's on the quarterback, but it's also on the, on the, on the offensive play caller to, to put his team and players and game planning and get them in the right position. So that's going to, like I said, you know, it's, we can, we can go about it from any different angle we want. If the saints don't handle the pressure in this game, it's going to be a long day for the offense. No. Yeah. Hopefully we see some pressure from the saints uh, defense uh, obviously, and not pressure that's going to end up uh, running past the uh, quarterback in Dobbs, allowing him to break free for a big game. 
Agreed. You know, one other thing I want to mention before we get into the, there are our, our guys is uh pro football focus. They went ahead and put their pre mid season, yeah, all yeah. pro list Good. out into the world. Way to pick that up. Yeah. I forgot to mention that one. There is one team with multiple <laughs> players on that list. Can you guess who it is. Can you guess which team that is? Oh, uh, is it the 49ers? You'd think. Nope. It is the goddamn Saints with <laughs> linebacker Demario Davis, who suddenly is now all pro material after all these years in the NFL. Now everyone's like, oh, he's an all pro. Well, guess what? He's always been an all pro. You just haven't picked him. And then Paulson Adebo at cornerback, which, man, what, what, what an accolade for this guy who fans were telling me he wasn't even going to win the starting cornerback job early in camp. He has been legit. And, you know, we talked about this. You don't need to talk about it again. The Saints are so comfortable with him at cornerback that it's like if Justin Jefferson was in this matchup, like I t- was talking to Tommy Tucker this morning and he's like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of a bummer that you won't get to see the Justin Jefferson, Marshawn Lattimore matchup. I don't Wait, think you would necessarily <laughs> right. have in that. Even if <laughs> so, Justin might play or even if Justin doesn't play, like, like I don't think that they're going to shadow. I don't think right. I think they're only going to shadow if they feel like they have to, because it does put you it's like like think about it like. Why do you have your right tackle play right tackle and not left tackle? Because playing on the right side of the line is different from playing on the left side of the line, right? Like you don't want to just be switching them around because it changes things. And it's a complicated thing to, to try to be, to, to flip that over and over again. If you can hone in on one specific set of techniques and details, and you can just do that at the top level, that's much easier than trying to switch sides of the field and trying to figure out who we're mirroring here and who, okay, you're on the right side. This like the simpler you can make defense and be successful, the better you are. The, the, the more complicated it is. Like you talk about the blitz. One of the reasons the giants blitz the second most in the NFL is because they don't feel like they can cover with their base, just simple defense, right? Like they feel like they need to throw wrinkles at you to get the quarterback off his spot because they know that they can't play defense without that. Whereas the saints, they're the 20, I think they blitzed at the uh, 23rd highest rate in the NFL, something like that. They're way down toward the bottom. It's because they feel like, and you look at the pressure rates. Well, why don't you get a ton of pressure? Because they feel like they can cover. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's a, that's a big part of it. But Paul Sinadibo and Demario Davis are, are both on this list as all pro, uh, all pro candidates from Pro Football Focus. And I think that's, that's very impressive. No, I think that's awesome too. And like, I didn't even realize that, you know, looking at it, it didn't click for me. It's like, they're the only freaking team with two players. Yeah. There's a lot of good, a lot of good players out there. Bravo to the um, black and gold, baby. Some of the other ones, you know, the funny thing is like, there are two players that play in the same stadium in Dexter Lawrence and Quinnen Williams, the two defensive interior players, both very good. Miles Garrett's the edge rusher. Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa are the edge rushers. Uh, the other linebacker is Roquan Smith. The cornerback is Jalen Johnson. Uh, and I think he, you know, he, probably a lot of this comes down to, you know, holding Mike Thomas without a catch last week. I probably that's probably a pretty big feather in his cap for this uh, Falcons safety Jesse Bates, Miami Dolphins safety Javon Holland, and there's a flex, and that's Trent McDuffie. Um, but you know, the Saints defense, while there have been struggle points, it has also been very, very good. Like, like all we're sitting here is complaining about rush lanes and how slow starts and you. It's like in the end of the day, you're talking about a game where they let up 17 points, you know, and that was one of their 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 lesser defensive games. Like I don't think they played particularly well. They forced a bunch of turnovers and they held the Bears to three points in the second half. So you know that big that gives you you know it's like one of those situations where you look at the 
you look at the individual drives and you're like, man, this didn't look that good. It didn't feel that good. But then you kind of look at the balance of it and how it all shaped up. And it's like this defense is giving you opportunities to win games. And then the offense has to has to hold serve and do that on their own right and take advantage of those situations. But I think you are in very good position in terms of how the defense is complementing the offense and vice versa. At a certain point, you'll start to put it all together. And if you can win games while you're getting to that point, that's, you know, take advantage of an easy schedule and go to the playoffs and, and win a game, right? Like, like that's all you can do. And, I, and I've had people tell me, it's like, well, you know, they don't really have a chance in, in the playoffs. And it's like, what are you all, if about? you get to the playoffs, you have a chance in the playoffs. Don't give it like, I've watched the Giants win two Super Bowls and they might have been the 15th best team in the NFL both of those years. Like they were not the best team in the NFL. They weren't even the favorite to win in the games they won. Like the wild card round, right? I think they beat the Falcons one year and they were not, I think they were in Atlanta for that game. And, you know, it's it's like if you, that's the beauty of the NFL postseason is it's one game. You just have to win one game. You don't have to win a series. And so getting to the playoffs is something that, there is very much value in. And so, I, I mean, I, I'm rooting for it. I don't know. Do what you want. Winning football this year has been a hell of a lot more fun to talk about than what we did last year. One of the podcast was rough, dude. It was rough. The last three years have been rough. <laughs> well, we weren't Even doing with- the podcast though the previous year. So, but us having to do this constantly. I mean, and, and we're, you know, having to rehash things and go back over it again. Yeah. I mean, the the track to get back on winning and I'm, I'm obviously uh hoping we can get three in a row go into the bye week huge momentum boost obviously you get a, a bunch of confidence coming out of it and yeah man like i we were talking about too the the rest of the way man that's some nitty-gritty football we're getting ready for some serious shit and i'm glad it's it's something that we're not going oh woe is me uh if the saints can do that if they can't the we're on top of the division right now now to maintain and continue to build the stack wins, you know, we stack the baby. We, the, the we suck again team, right? <laughs> oh man, we suck again. But all right, let's, let's, let's close this out with, uh, with, with, with our, my guys, our, my guys, let's start on defense. Who's your guy. Who's your guy this week? Who are you looking at on the saints defense that you want to see step up and have a big game? Uh, I thought cam had a pretty good outing last game. And I know that, you know, the, the defense has had its issues with the pass rush, but I'm I'm hoping that was a glimpse of more camp to come. And we need pressure on Joshua Dobbs. Don't want to let him breaking free. I know what Carl Granderson's putting in every week. I just want Cam to also be able to match him. And I know getting home and getting the stats is not always indicative of production, but uh just want to see more out of Cam this year. I know he's uh he's up there in age, but still a, a vital part to this defense. And I think. Uh, he gets going in his dad's old home today. Oh, on Sunday, I mean. Yeah, you know, one thing that Mickey pointed out uh, this week on on WWLs throughout his career, Cam has traditionally been kind of a second half player. You know, like he'll have slow starts, but then so you look at twenty twenty one. I mean, you get through week week. Uh, let's see, zero, he didn't have a sack through the first five weeks of the season, right? Okay. Through week 12, he had four total sacks. From weeks 14 through 17, he had two, four, five, eight and a half sacks. Impressive. 
And and so you you ended with 12 and a half on the year. And and so like that's what I was saying earlier. It's like you could yeah. say, well, okay, so when he had four sacks, he was having a bad season, but Trash, then he had right. eight and a half through four games, and suddenly the entire season was good. You know, so I think you kind of look at it and it's like, okay, yeah, I do want to see him continue to 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 come like waves on a beach, you know, continue to improve throughout the course of the season. Cause you know, that's that's where you need to be at your best is at the end of the year, not in week three. I don't want to see guys peak in week three. I want to see guys peak in the playoffs, right? So so that's something. But I agree. I think you want to see more out of Cam. For me, you know, I'm I'm sticking with I'm sticking with the uh the cornerbacks. And it, you know, it's tough to pick on my guy because like I said, yeah, you're playing sides. So it's not like, okay, I'm picking Marshawn because I think he's gonna shadow Jordan Addison or Justin Jefferson, but I'm my guy is gonna be whoever's covering just Jordan Addison during this game. So whether it's Paul Nadebo, whether it is Marshawn Lattimore, whoever's in that matchup, I need them to dominate. And I need them to force who, who Jalen Naylor? I don't know. Who, who, who's catching passes? If KJ Osborne isn't out there, if Justin Jefferson isn't out there, I'm taking away Jordan Addison and I'm forcing anybody else to beat me. You know, and, I guess you got to really worry about Hawkinson then, huh? Yeah, you got to figure out Hawkinson. But if I don't, if I'm not having to double Jordan yeah. Addison and I can take him away with one guy, then I can double TJ Hawkinson and I can do whatever I need to do against Alexander Madison. You know, this offense does not have the weapons that should scare you. So, you know, it's like you take away their best, their their best receiver and Jordan Addison, whoever, whoever it is on there and and you, and you figure out the rest, but you know, that's, that's who I'm looking at on defense. Who who are you you looking at on offense? Uh, Offense. It's tough. I want to say, Mike T, because I'm thinking, obviously, after being shut out, he's going to come out and, you know, want the ball up. But to me, I'm actually going to go Juwan Johnson. I think that he could really uh, do something against this Vikings pressure-filled defense that where Derek Carr has to look his way a little more often. That's fair. That's fair. And you know, the, 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 the whole, like, there was a point, there was one play in that, that game last week that people got kind of worked up about. And because Mike had his defender fall down and he kind of, kind of jumped around like, wow, I don't get the ball, but the ball went to Juwan Johnson of the middle field. And I think it was funny that like people kind of looked at that as, well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you try to get Mike the ball? And, and I understand, but Derek made the right throw. And also like, I think getting Juwan Johnson involved in the offense is it's like, obviously you don't want to see Mike go without a catch in a game. Obviously that's not something you want to see happen, but I also want to see Juwan Johnson get, incorporated a lot more than than he was like even right. even in the weeks he was healthy he really didn't do much i think he had like six catches and so he's a guy who you expected to have a big year and finally right you're making a couple big catches you catch a touchdown maybe that gets him going because i think one of the issues for the saints this year has been getting in getting pass catchers the ball over the middle of the field right and he's a guy who should be able to work in that area of the field so i mean i i, I agree i'd like to see him i'd like to see him get more action my guy is going to be the guy who also had kind of a slow game, and I don't, still don't think you've seen him have the real blow-up game that we know he's capable of, and I, and I know he's capable of it because he did it against this team on, uh, on Christmas Day in yes, 2020. Indeed. Alvin Kamara, it's my guy. I, I want to see, see one of those Alvin games. Right? I want to see big time you know I'm fine doesn't need four touchdowns or was it six touchdowns how many touchdowns did he get in that game I think he ended up with five he could have had six I think I think yeah I think let's see I know I, I think it was six and he could have had seven that might be let's right see. too yeah I'm, I think 
what Sean ended up giving one to Taysom that game instead of Alvin. Yeah. Alvin Kamara, 22 rushing attempts, 155 yards, uh, six touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. And then receiving, he also had three catches for 70, 17 yards. That but was yeah, with those what, awesome Christmas cleats. That was awesome. Yes, yes. Then the and he he could have had seven. The NFL record was six. He tied it, which like, yeah, but that record was like 88 years old. So it's like you're not even playing, you're playing with leather helmets at that point, right? Um <laughs> I, I mean, they might have not have been wearing helmets at that point. Either way, they he did he gave one of those touchdowns to Taysom, <laughs> which is like, like what are you doing, Sean? Why? What, what what are you trying to prove here? Uh anyway. oh it's, a, it's about the team, not one person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like so <laughs> Just odd. But yeah, I, I'd like to see, you know, you know, I don't need six touchdowns from Alvin, right? But I would like to see a hundred fifty-yard total offense game. I would like to see multiple touchdowns. I'd like to see it just be a game where he's unguardable. You can't stop him. And like, sure, maybe in the second half they they bracket him and they take him away. But like probably, you know, a more reasonable thing would be uh the Seahawks game in 2021 when he had a hundred yards receiving in the first half and and a touchdown, and then in the second half the Seahawks had to basically triple team him and take him away. And that opened up things for other people. So that's what I want to see. He's my guy. I want to see an Alvin Kamara game. I want to see it start early and end late. That's he's my guy. I like that man, because we we've seen, I feel obviously flashes of the greatness that Alvin is, but yeah, he hasn't gone full matrix this, this season yet. Right. I think this is going to be the time. I think it's going to, it's going to be one of those. Okay. We're going up to Minnesota and they think they got it figured out and we're going to show them exactly what they don't have figured out. Skull um, this. Skull this. Yeah, you're going to blitz. We're going to run by you. Because that, that is how you beat the blitz, right? Like people, I think people think, like, oh, the only way to beat the blitz is to throw it over them. It's like, no, it, you can run it by them. You know, yeah. they get at themselves out of position. And then all of a sudden there's a hole and you can get big runs against the blitz, right? Because they have to play a shell in the back end. Anyway, so that's that's it. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, man. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you in Minnesota uh, out of the years that I got to do sideline. It was definitely one of my favorite venues. I think it's at the stadium's awesome. When did you go to Minnesota? Uh, my first season, and it was actually a primetime Monday night game on my birthday, too. Uh, the Saints ended up winning. That was the P.J. Williams pick six games. So this is 2018, yeah. 2018, okay. Okay, yeah, 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 30 to 20. I remember that game, yeah. Yeah, yep. there you go. I think that's the game, too. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure Davenport hurt his thumb in that in that game or pinky, and I think that's the one that ended up eventually getting amputated. Wasn't it like a Halloween game? Yeah, you know, uh, my birthday is October 28th, so basically. Yeah, well, because I remember I remember that game because uh, I think I went to Voodoo Fest, which doesn't even ex- like really exist anymore because of COVID. Thanks, COVID. But I remember that because that, that's, that's always shame, that was I loved, I used to love going to that, obviously. It's a good, it's a good one. Anyway, good stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm gonna have to. Rem- I need to like the last time I should have brought a coat. I forgot a coat. Lots, so this lots time of purple, I, lots of purple, and a lot of Prince fans. So it's not so bad. This time I need to bring a coat. <laughs> yes, I cannot afford to forget my coat because it's it's weird though because like I can't wear the type of coat I need to wear up there to the airport here. You know, <laughs> thankfully, you know you're not going to be outdoors. Thank God it is a dome, so you don't have to worry about game time freezing your rear off. Yeah. Oh, tired, Jeff. Yeah, that's me. All right. Inside black and gold, baby. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Steve Ho, three in a row. Let's go. That was loud. I'm sorry. Doug's just looking at me. You want to say hi? Okay, come here. Come say hi. Come say hi.
right. Bailey on the podcast. Always our best guest. Hello. Don't be shy. I'm a dog. Oh, that puppers. I smell. <laughs> All right. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow him at Steve Geller. WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. And as always, you can check out the latest news, notes, and analysis on WWL.com. You can follow Steve uh, every day at WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and the Odyssey app. And yes, pregame coverage starts at 8 a.m. Uh, runs till what, 1 a.m.? So it's a long day. I'll be on the sidelines as always. Who at Go Saints? Whoa, 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 with the 1 a.m. stuff. Is it not true? No, we go to 6 p.m. Oh, 6 p.m., I'm sorry. You're <laughs> killing me. <laughs> oh, you're right. That, that's like the night games that goes to 1 a.m. Right. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Steve's going to be out there till 1 a.m., I'm telling you. I'm going to. Yes, yeah, just, just taking your calls. Yeah. He's <laughs> just going to be sitting there. He's like, okay, call. I got just calling up Steve having a conversation anyway so yeah not 1am but either way in spirit to 1am all right enjoy mini baby who dat go saints be easy y'all peace let's go